oh my god, and you're telling me that Don Henley is a member of the Eagles? Really? Hello everybody and welcome back to my music memories. So, I am back to talk about my actual concert memories because I haven't really done one of these for a little while. Over Christmas it was a lot more about favourite albums and some of the playlists that I have. But we're going back to really why I made this podcast in the first place. And we're doing the Eagles. Now, just doing a little bit of research. And uh, I don't know. There, there, There could be some confusion over when I've seen them. I know for a fact I've seen them twice. Because there were two distinct concerts. I know that there was a little bit of a gap between the two concerts. Although none of them were dead when I saw them. Both times, they were all still alive. However, I've gone through all my tickets and I cannot find the earlier concert. I know for a fact it was in London. Although, I have memories of where I sat. And it could only really have been either Earl's Court or Wembley Arena. And I've looked them both up, and they came here um, at both those venues. So within like a six years, with like a six year gap. So it could have been either, but I've narrowed it down. I think I know the one it was. Um, which is actually an interesting thing, but we'll go into that when we get to it. So, I talk a lot about my love for all types of music. Well, I consider myself a child of the 90s. You know, even though technically I was born in 81, I find that I uh, I was actually old enough to remember things from 90 and to 99. You know, I, they can say I was a child of the 80s. However, I don't remember any of that. I don't really remember much at all, really. I remember properly from kind of 89, 90. And that's kind of the eras that heavily influenced my growing up, so I consider myself a child of the 90s. However, largely thanks to my grandparents, largely thanks to my parents, I have had um, a very kind of strong 70s music grounding. And it is interesting, when I was going through school, um, a lot of my friends, they're they're kind of their big favourite band was uh, Bon Jovi. It's something I've talked about before. And I was recently considering that, you know what? I liked Bon Jovi, but I learned to like them thanks to them. They weren't someone I discovered myself. 
Not really. For me, I definitely had a different sound. It was Queen. It was... There was so... Because when I think about it, when I think about the music I was listening to, like going through school, there was so many 70s um, artists. So we had Queen. For me, they had their best possible stuff in the 70s. You know, an album I've already spoken about, I think, and if I haven't, it's coming up. Um, it's A Night of the Opera. Is No, I'm pretty sure I have spoken about that. I'm, I've done so many at this point, I'm confusing myself. Um, but even that was mid-70s. You know, for me, that was their best, their, by far their best stuff. And before I even carry on, I find it just fascinating to think that there are people now who are alive right now who are in their early 20s who have never, ever heard of Queen. They probably have heard of them, but they've never actually heard any of their music. Because right now, I'm noticing on YouTube that there is um, quite a popular thing for youngsters, let's call them, I hate that, because that means I'm old, um, is uh, younger people listening to Queen songs for the first time and reacting to these songs. And it's kind of like, I don't need to see your reaction. Every reaction video that flashes up on my feed the kind of the quick clip I see is the reaction I expect it to be. So I don't need to watch you doing those reactions. You know, they are. he is that good. He always will be. But it's, it's because when you think of these kind of 70s bands who were massively big, nine times out of ten, because they're not releasing new stuff, they simply don't get airplay, really. And when they're not getting airplay, well, you, you, no one knows who they are anymore. And it's really quite sad to, to think of it that way. But other 70s artists that I religiously listened to growing up, we have Fleetwood Mac. Now, Fleetwood Mac for me are another big, big artist that I listen to a lot. But that I got into their earlier stuff. And by their earlier stuff, I mean the Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac era. Proper blues. Because uh, I've, I've been a big blues fan for years. And it's like proper Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. I've, I'm, you know, and I mentioned it when I talked about my first four concerts, which I'll be coming up. I'll be talking about this in a minute. Um, but when I was talking about my first four concerts, I've talked about Aerosmith and how... Um, I saw Black Crows do uh, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac's Oh Well live, and they did it so good. They really did it well. Um, but yeah, I've been a huge Fleetwood Mac fan for ages. Um, but, you know, their absolute best stuff is Rumours, Tango in the Night. You know, it's the big albums, it's the big songs. And especially growing up in the 90s, because 
they released The Dance, which is a live CD and DVD. And because I was big on Fleetwood Mac at the time, when they released it, I bought it. And I just, that's like, for me, that is Fleetwood Mac at, at their best. Um, I actually have the dance, the whole of the concert, on my Skybox so that I can watch it whenever I want. Because it's so goddamn good. It is so good. Um, I've been a, a ridiculously massive fan of Elton John, specifically his 70s era, when he was contracted into doing two albums a year. So he started doing double albums because that way he he got round having to do two separate albums. But some of that stuff is so good. And then you got like the band America, the band Bread. You've got, um, you know, you've got so many. You've got so many 70s music that a lot of these artists didn't really do much outside of the 70s. A lot of this stuff was kind of kept hemmed in two seventies but they're so good and I still love them and I still listen to them all. And yes, one of the biggest artists was the Eagles. Now I had and I mean it must have been one of the first albums I bought. It must have been. I have the Eagles other than, you know, the big Hotel California album, which everybody knows um, I never really owned um, an Eagles album as such. You know, yes, I did eventually buy Hotel California, but more to, to, to say that I owned it than to listen to it. Because they were big from 70 to 79, and that was kind of almost exclusively it for releases-wise... When it came to the 90s, there were so many kind of greatest hits that you could buy. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, what about all the B-sides? What about the songs you don't hit? I mean, you know, there's just so many albums. At the time, I was a child, and I just wanted to be able to hear all the songs I knew. So I bought the, the Eagles. It was the greatest hits, the best of, I don't know the name of it. But we refer to it as the Brown Album. Now, the Brown Album was called so because it had a brown cover. <laughs> it's nothing nothing more strange than that. It was just a brown cover with the word Eagles written on the front. And it was their greatest hits. And that was the album I had. And whenever the album got too scratched to listen to or lost or whatever, I would just rebuy that album. Because that I knew the order... And I knew that those were the songs I liked, and I didn't need to worry about it anymore. So that was 100% how I listened to the Eagles. However, it was actually in school that I learned, shall we say, that the Eagles consisted of people who had also become very successful outside of the Eagles, because... And I don't know, I, I, I don't know if this is like a a thing that's just me, it, it could have been, or there might be people that don't even know this now, but it came up um, as well, but, you know, I knew, I was aware 
of Don Henley. I was aware of Joe Walsh. I was somewhat aware of Glenn Fry, of the, those names specifically. But for the longest time, I didn't know that they were necessarily the people that were in the Eagles. Because, you know, Don Henley did Boys of Summer. It was a big hit. It was it was on all the time. But people weren't saying, yeah, that's Don Henley, you know, the guy from the Eagles there with... They didn't connect the two like you get now. Whenever, you know, whenever you get someone that used to be somewhere, they're constantly referring it back. But they never used... They didn't do that. Then, in my high school music class so i was 15 16 i'm i get so lost with american and i don't even have a clue with other country schools so you know i'll give you the year of, of how old i was so yeah i would have been 15 16 um and you know we got to pick what we wanted to do and we picked i picked uh music as a as a subject and part of our music course was that we had to pick um, a song and then we had to pick uh, kind of any instrument that we wanted but we had to play that song as much as we could using the instrument of our choice. So it was like you didn't have to play the... Like, so like if you chose let's say take it to the limit as we're on the eagles but you chose the bass guitar you didn't have to do the bass guitar for take it to the limit you had to do what everybody would know as the main part of take it to the limit but using the bass guitar so it was recognizable as the tune you've chosen because that way, if you wanted to choose guitar, but you wanted to do a song that doesn't actually have a guitar, you could still do that song with the guitar, you know, or, or a piano, or whatever instrument you wanted. <laughs> and a friend of mine, he chose, he, he basically came up with this idea that he wanted to do something that was very easy. He was a very lazy man. <laughs> And I mean, I don't blame him, you know, let's be honest. It was, it, it worked, so well done him. But he really wanted to do the, the, the kind of the least amount of work, but get through the, the actual course. And he chose keyboard, because we didn't really have a piano. Um, so he chose a keyboard, and he chose Don Henley's Boys of Summer. And he literally, because if you, I'm not going to sing it, but... If, if you imagine Boys of Summer in, in your head, and if you've never actually heard Don Henley's Boys of Summer, go to YouTube after this and just look look it up and watch just the very intro. You, you'll probably instantly recognise it and go, oh, it was that song. Okay, great. If you've never heard of it before, legitimately, then go and listen to it. It's an amazing song. It's a great song. It's a great summer song. It's really, really good. But 
the actual most recognisable part of that song is that it has three notes that just repeat from beginning to end of the song. And there's loads of other instruments that come in and out, but there's it's, it has one repeating tone that just repeats throughout the whole song. And he just played that. He just had three keys and just went like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, and, and just did that the whole time. And we were all like, you're not serious. This isn't what you're considering to be your whole like two-year work of learning a song. And it was granted as like very ingeniously thought and he and he got when he got through. And we were all pissed. We were not happy with the teacher. Um because some of us put in some really strong effort in that. But whilst um he only did that, he also had to do a lot of looking up about the song and stuff and do like a small little report about it and it was then that we a lot of us were all kind of like oh he was in the eagles oh that's interesting so then i started looking up because i was kind of like oh my god i didn't know he was part of the eagles that's insane who else are the eagles then (laughs) you know did anyone else do anything else so i started looking them all up to see kind of what they had all done and i immediately recognized joe walsh's life's been good and rocky mountain way and was like oh my god it's him too i know him so it was like oh that's so cool that's really really cool that those people are all connected because it's exactly the same as the whole genesis mike and the mechanics phil collins peter gabriel you know all of this kind of of, of thing it's good it's great to see that when you look at the eagles who genuinely didn't really have any kind of hit or album outside of the 70s at all, they did all go on to do other things and to work on other albums and bits and pieces. That's not technically true, because one of my all-time favourite Eagles songs is a 90s song. (laughs) And we'll be getting into that shortly. But this is where I want to talk about one of the first concerts, because... I mentioned earlier that when I, one of my first four concerts was was Aerosmith and, and the massive concert that I've spoken about already with all these different kind of people. Now, I couldn't find my ticket. So I looked it up and I spoke to my sister because I've been both times to see the Eagles, I went with my sister. But... I specifically remember, now, if you've never been to an arena-style venue, like a, a much larger venue, this then this isn't going to help, I don't think. But the way that the seating is, it tends to be with these kind of venues, is you have the stage, because it's like an, an an elongated circle, which has a name, and I cannot think of what that name actually is. But it's a circle that's been stretched. An oval, that's what it is. It's an oval. And you'll have the stage at one of the shorter ends so that it goes long ways backwards to fit more people in. Makes the most sense. However, for the Eagles, you don't really want standing space. You don't want standing area. What you want is you want seats. 
So what they have is they have generally, for the bigger venues in the UK, they will have three blocks of seatings that then come backwards. So it will be like three blocks across and let's say four blocks back. And each block will have, I don't know, 20 to 30 seats, I'd say, roughly. That feels about roughly how they would do it. Obviously, the closer to the front you can be, the more you'll be able to see. Um, but the more expensive it will cost you. Especially nowadays, tickets are, ticket prices are through the roof. And then, around the outside of this... I don't know if you can hear, but I'm miming all of the kind of the shapes in the air, which which is useless because you can't see none of this. But around these blocks of seating, because these are like arenas or like even indoor arenas, you have a like a, a an oval of stadium esque seats, and then above that you have the kind of the higher end seats, and they're cheap as hell because they're miles away now in in the very first time we went to see the eagles we were in the lower stadium seats about the middle row so about halfway up the lower stadium seats to if you if you stared at the stage we were on the right hand side of the stage Probably in line with the second row of three blocks. I hope this has made sense to kind of put a good idea of where we were. We were, we were closer than than halfway. Yeah, we were closer than halfway. We were about. I would say we were we were about a third of the way away, in distance. Um, but like I said, if you've got three blocks of seats across and then four back we were about in line with block two um, but all the way to the right in the stadium seat in about halfway in those seats we were about there and I know because the ticket I have got is 2008 that it would have been earlier than that so I was like, right, so venues earlier than 2008 in London that would have had that style of seating. Well, or that I've been to, shall we say, because there's a whole bunch that I've never actually been to. But the only ones I've been to that have that kind of arrangement are Wembley Arena and Earl's Court. And I've been to both, especially around you know, before 2008. Haven't really been to either since, but yeah, back then, a bunch of times. Because there were a lot of artists that didn't want to risk going to like the big Wembley Arena, and the O2 wasn't really doing massive concerts, and people didn't want to risk it in case they couldn't sell it out. So they were sticking to these kind of indoor stadium style seating because it was big but not over the top big so i looked it up and it immediately rung a bell when it came to earl's court 
because they were at Earl's Court for two days in a row. And I remember this. And I remember being there oh, for the second day. Because I remember there being someone in the queue. We were there very early. Really early. Um, which was silly because we had seats. <laughs> so, that we, you know, we could have just got there an hour before, like five minutes before they came on. And we still would have got where we would have got. Um, but we were there very early. However, there was a person queuing in, there were people queuing in front of us who had been to the previous day. And we were talking to them about bits and pieces. So I, I remember, I, I swear I remember it being the second day. However, what this means is the Earl's Court date would be the 13th of June 2001. This could be one of my first four concerts. Because the first one was Spice Girls, which was 99. Bon Jovi was 2000. But then, like, the Iron Maiden and the... No, it was the Aerosmith was 2000. But then the Bon Jovi and the Iron Maiden... Well, 2001. So this could have been before them. And it's actually got me thinking. I wonder now whether actually this could have been one of my first four. And I just I just didn't remember that it was that long ago. And that's crazy to think. It's crazy to think that it was one of it was definitely one of my earliest concerts. And that would make sense why I don't have the tickets, because for the first um, like let's say for the first like two maybe three years worth of tickets are just gone. I think they must have been somewhere together and then they were no longer a thing. <laughs> you know, they're just gone. Um, and it's a shame because I just don't have those tickets anymore. But yeah, so this this could actually be one of my first ever concerts. And the thing about them specifically that I remember in this concert was the fact that it was one of the first concerts that I, I went to that had no support. Because they just had so much material that, frankly, they didn't need support. They really didn't. They would, because um, obviously we stood where we stood, and it was, you know, we, 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 were, we weren't that far away. We could see quite well. I really, you know, love their their 70s stuff. I really enjoy it. Uh, but what they tend to do is you'll get, you know, a selection of Eagles stuff with a bunch of their own stuff mixed in. So that, you know, it's one of those things where they can have a break. So that while someone, so like while Don Henley is doing The Boys of Summer, which he will always do... The others can have a little bit of a break, you know, because later on, um, Joe Walsh is going to do one of his is one of his songs he's going to do, um, and this kind of stuff, you know, it allows them to very specifically have some time where they don't have to be kind of performing all the time. Plus, what they tend to do as well is there will be a large section of the concert because you know. I love the Eagles, but let's be honest, we're not talking about, like, 
hard thrash rock here. It's, you know, it's 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 very much ballady. What what I would call smooth rock. You know, they have the, they have the slightly heavier song, not heavier, but they have the slightly upbeat, faster songs. But for the most part, they're more slower, they're more ballady. That's the kind of music that you you know that you want. It it very much is when I was in Florida and we would listen to the soft rock and roll, I would guarantee which was WJR. Um, they would always have the Eagles. <laughs> I would always hear the Eagles on 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 soft rock and roll because that's the kind of music they do. And with that in mind, they would often, for their concerts, have a, a point where they would all sit in a line on stools or chairs and they would sing a whole section of their of their songs together in this more slightly more acoustic-y style and i love that i love it that's that's the kind of stuff i i, I really enjoy but for me the the real standout moment of this concert specifically was don henley's boys of summer and it's not because I specifically owned Wayfarers because until that song, I didn't know what they were and then I wanted to have them because of the song. And it wasn't because... It was a... Uh, it's one of those things where if I ever said to anyone, do you know the Eagles? They would like, no, would I? Blah, 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 blah. Whereas if I say to someone, do you know Boys of Summer? Oh God, I know Boys of Summer. Yeah, it's a great song. In, especially then, it was a much bigger hit. So... It got the biggest response in the room, you know, and in the concert hall. It was the it was the song that, as much as people loved the Eagles stuff, which in itself is an issue, because you know my favorite Eagles song isn't necessarily my sister's favorite Eagles song, which isn't necessarily my brother's or my parents or yours, because they ha they're known for having a lot of successful hits but nothing that really stands out as their big single as their big hit which means people will cheer for their songs but you don't get like one big massive this is the song you know for example bare naked ladies one week it used to be it was always one week it was always people came to hear one week and that would get the biggest response. However, uh, the more concerts we went to, that then became the Big Bang Theory. People wanted to hear that song. Well, they wanted to hear the first line because that's what you hear in the, in the sitcom. And then people just get confused when it comes to what the hell. It's an actual song. Don't sing the rest. I only wanted to hear the, the bit from, the, from the, the series, you know. But whether they like it or not, that is what they that's what people go and will give them the biggest cheer and exactly the same with nickelback it's rockstar much to the sheer hate of genuine nickelback fans 
That's so and even Nickelback themselves, they can't stand that track. But it's 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 the one that the the general fans know. It's the biggest reaction. The Eagles don't really have a biggest reaction song. But Don Henley does in The Boys of Summer. And it is the one. It's it's got the most iconic and recognizable intro. The moment it starts, the place explodes. <laughs> but again, that's not even why it's the most memorable moment for me at this concert. Because we're standing there. And I, I'm, I can't, this was a while ago. But so I can't 100% guarantee that this is exactly the conversation as it went. But this, this is how I remember this. Bear in mind we're talking about 2001. So excuse me for not remembering the details of a 2001 concert conversation. <laughs> and it wasn't even with me. But there was a woman in front of us with her boyfriend. Boys of Summer started and the place exploded. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing, there's nothing like being in a room of people that are all there for the same reason. To hear this one song. They're here for the, for other reasons. They want to hear loads of songs. They want to hear bits and pieces. But this one has united every single person in this room. It's such a feeling. And this woman went... She, she turned around to her partner and she said... So, they're doing a cover now? So he said, no. This is Don Henley's song. And she went, yeah... And they're doing it. So why are they covering Don Henley's song? So he turned around and said, much to the kind of like the sheer confusion on his face, as though this had been a conversation previously where she had explained that she was aware that this was a thing. <laughs> um, and clearly she didn't make the connection. Because then he said, yeah, you know, um, that is Don Henley. He is in the Eagles. He's the singer that we've we've had all this time. To which she, she just went like, really, you're telling me that Don Henley is in the Eagles? But they're like old. And my sister just exploded with laughter. I did what I could to ignore it because I was trying to enjoy Boys of Summer <laughs> um, and then I couldn't hear it anyway. I couldn't hear what was being said at that point but he was not happy. Um, it, was the same, it was the same kind of reaction to... This is a story of a story. It was when I went with a bunch of people... Um, some family, some friends, I think. And I'm going to say it's Star Wars Phantom Menace. Because that, I know that that was released in the 90s. And I know I went to the cinema to see it. But I couldn't guarantee if it was this one or not. Because I haven't seen these films in a while now. But in one of those films, they hold... Someone says a comment and then holds up like a hologram of the Death Star. And, and that's kind of like a, oh, look what we're trying to build kind of, kind of you know... A little nod. And in the cinema, it, it kind of... It was quite quiet because people were getting into the film. 
and there was this woman quite loudly just turned around and said but what is that though and then obviously her partner had told her because we couldn't hear him um, but we heard her say but what's a death star and the noise from the crowd was very telling that um yeah they were they were kind of like some were definitely interested to know who she was and uh, why she didn't know what the death star was why was she here you know and all this kind of stuff it's it's that kind of a reaction but it was it was one of those things that you know it was it was funny but then the it the song was so good and it was it was a great concert i remember it being a great concert i really do however when we got out of like the late 90s the early 2000s i'm i, I got myself another album and it was mainly because i was in a conversation with someone at university and they said to me like well how many it kind of cause something came up it was like i had queen's greatest hits i had fleetwood mac's greatest hits i had the eagles greatest hits i had bread's greatest hits and someone and what someone has said to me but how many of their original albums do you actually own or do you just have the greatest hits and i was like well for some of them i've got a lot like with queen i own i think every album as well as the greatest hits um and the same with like george michael and elton john but for other people like like some of the names i've just mentioned like bread and like the eagles and even bands like dire straits i have greatest hits I just, just, you know, it just gives me the songs I know. I don't, I don't need to have lots and lots and lots. And they said, well, you probably should. Because, you know, there, there, there are other songs and there are other singles that you might like. That they're not as popular. They're not necessarily, you're not going to hear them on the radio. So if it's something that you really want, you know, you should just give them a try. Just every now and then, just buy a random album. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'll give it a go. It it has definitely helped, because there are some songs that I just adore, which weren't massive hits for those specific artists. A good example is Phil Collins and The Roof Is Leaking. There, it, Yeah, it's a song that I heard him do live that... I was so pleased to hear live because it was a song that I had just adored when I got that album. But it's not a release. It's not a big single. It's not something that other people are aware of his stuff. But I love that song. It's such a good song. So I looked into the, the Eagles albums and I got, obviously, Hotel California. Because even if I'm gonna, even if it's going back on what I just had a whole like five ten minute conversation about, Hotel California is probably one of their bigger 
hits. You know, it's one that people would say is probably more they're known for. So that's fair enough. Um, but I looked at their albums, and there was one album that was listed as being released in the 90s. And I was like, oh, I didn't know they did anything recently. So I looked it up, and it is a a live album. It's not actually a, a recorded album. It's a concert of them live. It's called Hell Freezes Over. And it was 1994, I believe. And yeah, it's just a recording of a concert that they did. However, there is a song that they sing on that album called New York Minute. And if I'm being honest, that, for me, had me immediately. That song is unbelievable. And they do it so well. And it's because it's live. It's the version I've known. And for years and years and years... I truly believed it was a new Eagles song. Because it wasn't on any of their previous albums. And when you look at who wrote it, it was written by Don Henley. And the first appearance is Hell Freeze is Over. Now, I have greatest hits that have got new songs on them. To name a few people before, I'm pretty sure Bon Jovi have done it. I know for a fact that Aerosmith have done it. Just where they don't want to do a greatest hits. Because they feel like they're not giving their fans anything new. And that's a bit cheaty. You're paying for songs that you've already paid for. So what they do is they release a handful of new singles on top of the greatest hits. Matchbox 20 did that. with their they, they released the greatest hits and had like four or five new songs on it. Or recently, Guano Apes re-released their, uh, their like first album. I think it was like the 20th anniversary or some 25th anniversary or something along those lines. Uh, but what they did was they released the album... Well, they re-released the album, but they did it with a second disc of remastered tracks where they re-recorded a bunch of them in, in more modern-day styles and things. It's so cool because it's like new material, even though it's stuff I kind of know the words to. It's fantastic. So, for years and years and years, I just thought this was an Eagles song. And this went down as probably my favourite Eagles song. However, since... I'm not going to say when, but it was not as far away as I would have liked it to be. Um, I found out that it was actually a Don Henley solo track. It was on one of his albums. I think it was like five years previous to the to the live album. And that makes sense, because when I've seen them, they do all their greatest hits and solo stuff. So it makes sense that they didn't do a new track. They just let they they all did one of his solo songs, and it just makes so much sense. It's like, oh my god, yes, I get it now. Okay, 
you know, <laughs> it makes so much sense now. I get it. Um, and it was great. And then they announced that they were going to be coming over here again. This time it was going to be at the O2. And this was for March 2008. So I was like, okay, well, I definitely want to see them. Yes, I am very, very interested. Um, you know, I've seen them before and I am more than happy to go again. I know a little bit more than I did the, the last time. So, you know, I would hopefully get to see some of them. So we looked into it and we got some seats and... I, I won't say I regret where we sat because I still enjoyed the concert, but I don't I won't ever sit there again. And I made this decision recently when I saw David Gray. Because they did the exact same thing. It was the O2. So it's a big old venue. And they had the stage at one end. And then in the middle they had three blocks, I believe. So, like, A on the left, B in the middle, and C on the right. No, I think it was, like, the whole front three were A, and you had one on the left, two in the middle, and three on the right. And then it went back four blocks, four blocks of seating. And then within those blocks of seating, you had 30, maybe 40 rows of seats would be roughly how it went and we got tickets for a what oh uh, no d1 so we were the fourth row back on the left the fourth block back on the left and we were about halfway in the block as far as the rows go, let's say there were 40 rows, we were row 20. So we were around the centre of the row. And I said to my sister, I feel like we're quite far back now. Being in the fourth row feels a little bit like, well, I'm going to be watching the screen the whole time now. So why am I here? It's like the, yeah, I'm sure the music's going to be great, but... For me, the point of a concert is the overall experience more than anything else. And I just have this issue of if I can't see the person on the stage, you're not holding my attention and I lose interest. I'm enjoying the music, but I just want it to be over so I can go now because I can't see anything. So what's the point, you know? And my head will start going and it will become an issue. It's just kind of the way it tends to go. And at that point, I kind of decided that if I ever try and buy tickets for anywhere that's got this style of seating and I can only get tickets for seats in the fourth block back, I'm just not going. Or I'll try and get seats in the stadium seating around the edge. Because we were closer the first time. Even though we were more dead on the second time, we were too far away, really. However, it caused more problems. Which is something I hadn't considered would happen at the time. 
However, it's something that reared its head again recently with David Gray. And basically, we, we got in, we found our seats, we sat down. Again, there was no support. And we were all waiting and we were ready. And I knew it would be a, a long old concert because they had a lot of stuff to do. The moment they came on stage, well, not even the moment they came on stage, the moment the lights went out and the music stopped, everybody cheered. Big roar rose up. And the people at the very, very front row got to their feet and decided, I'm going to stand so I can watch them come out and do their first few concert, their first few songs. So I can watch them do their first few songs. However, because they're all seated flat, the people directly behind them can't see. So they're like, okay, well now I have to stand up, because otherwise I don't get to see at all. Which means the people behind them have to stand up, and it forms a ripple, a wave of people that basically decide, I don't have a choice now. If I'm going to see something, I have to stand up. You know, I don't have an option at this point. So we stood up. And we got like two songs in. And me and my sister were kind of like, so we're standing the whole time now then? Because this isn't the kind of a concert that has the energy for consistent standing. I want I want to be sitting down enjoying a lot of this. That's why I bought seats. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is, when you're at the side, it doesn't matter. Because if you sit down, because it's stadium seating, if you choose to sit down, you can still see above the person in front of you, unless they're overly tall, like me. Which is why I also like to sit down. Because I know that no matter who is in front of me, if I stand up, I'll definitely see, and the people behind me definitely will not. And I feel bad for the people behind me. Um, but, you know, it got to a point where we, everyone just had to stand up, so we were standing for most of the concert. And even at the point where they were all sitting on their stalls and singing the much slower songs, a bunch of people sat down at that point, but not the people in front of us. And I even think at one point we were like, you know what, I can't really see it, I'm just going to sit down. And we just sat down and enjoyed our concert. A whole section of, of the songs just sitting down with people standing around us. Because it didn't matter, we couldn't really see it anyway. You know? But it was a really, really good concert. I really enjoyed myself. And it was one of those things where I didn't get to hear... New York Minute, which is one of those things that I don't expect to hear. I don't know that it's something that they do on a regular basis. I was hoping to hear it because I had learned it since the last concert, you know. But I did get to hear a song that I had learned since the last concert that I really actually quite liked. And it again, it wasn't an Eagles song. It was actually a Joe Walsh song, and that is uh, Life's Been Good, because that's one of those songs that actually I knew existed, but I didn't know was him, if that makes sense. 
I wasn't aware that it was a Joe Walsh song, Joe Walsh from the Eagles songs. And it was one of those arguments that I was kind of like, oh, actually, you know what? I know this song. And then I would hear it and I would be like, oh, I actually quite like this song. It's fun. It's like a song that doesn't take itself seriously, but it's still a pretty damn good song. And the moment it started, I was just like, oh my God, I know this song, you know, oh, that's so cool, I know what this is. And that's kind of the point, is, you know, I still got to hear something that was unexpected, but was really, really fun and really enjoyable. And I was so glad to hear it. And, you know, sadly, um, the Eagles aren't the lineup because, you know, people have died. And it's sad. It really is. But they are coming back this year. They are going to be in London this year. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go. You know, I would love to. But ticket sales, I believe they're going to be at the O2. And ticket sales are so... They're, they're a rip-off. They are, they are a rip-off. They are way too expensive now. And I've there are so many artists that I would love to see that I just can't afford to go to see because, you know, because I can't afford it. Um, Lissy was, um, was in London yesterday and Star Set are going to be here on Friday. Um, the Deer Hunter tickets literally were announced yesterday and went on sale today. I, I just don't know if I'm going to get to see any of these people. Not to mention the big names, you know. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to go see the Eagles again. It would be great. But I, sp I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Because again, it will probably be seats. And I feel like at this point, the only seats available are going to be pretty far back. And very expensive. So, I don't think that's going to happen. If they are an artist that you haven't actually heard of, um, or there's someone that you're not sure of, then there will be a Greatest Hits in the description below. It's going to be my playlist on Spotify, but it's going to essentially be the Brown Album um, with uh, New York Minute. Because, God, I love that song. I'm literally going to stop recording this and listen to New York Minute because I've been talking about it and I want to hear it. So, that's been another episode. That's it. All done and dusted. So thank you so much for listening. Next time, we will carry on with the live concert commentary. I haven't quite decided what it's going to be, but I've got a few ideas. So tune in to find out what it's going to be. Thank you so much for listening. And I will keep an eye out for you next time. 